From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Danny Flecker joins us on a Saturday morning. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. Um, interesting college football week ahead of us, headlined by um, Oregon and Washington. But I want to first go backwards to last night and what happened with uh, Dion's Colorado team against Stanford. That is one hard thing to wake up to today, knowing you blew that kind of a uh, of a halftime lead. Yeah, that's the game they needed to have uh, to really be, I think, in a comfortable spot to make a bowl. And for the first half, it looked like it was going to be that way. You know, I stayed up and watched the majority of this game. Um, you know, they were up twenty-nine nothing at half. Came out a little flat in the second half there. Um, you know, weren't able to really do a lot with the ball. And then, you know, I think the play that turned it was that 95-yard touchdown pass. Um, you know, Colorado did a good job to, uh, from a special teams perspective, pinning them deep in their own territory, starting at the five-yard line. You're thinking, okay, let's, let's regroup, if anything. If they're going to go and score, let's make sure that they go on a long uh, run here to get it, and they were unable to do that. Um, you know, first play after they get the ball is a simple slant pattern that goes for a large, a you know, long game, which eventually turns into a touchdown. And then the rest of the, that quarter, you know, Stanford did a really good job of keeping things in front of them, getting that pressure on Sanders, and eventually as well, you know, turning in, you know, other large, um, you know, chunk plays that eventually ended up in touchdowns. So. That's, you know, that's unfortunately the, the deficiency of this Colorado team. Uh, they're not deep. They're not very talented in certain areas. And your margin for error, despite being up 29 nothing, is, is very slim. Um, and, you know, I thought that this was a game that they were going to utilize, um, you know, their, their talent at the skill positions and really kind of just take it to Stanford. Um, but unfortunately, they were unable to. I, I also think a big thing with this, Colorado team is, unfortunately, you know, they play at a certain pace. Um, and that pace is not really going to help you when you're in a, you know, trying to, like, take care of a lead with lesser talented players. So I think that they were going a little too fast at times, not really taking advantage of what was in front of them. A couple of really aggressive calls backfired against them. So, unfortunately, you know, they were unable to, to come out with the win in this one. You and I have had back and forth conversations on a, on a, on a myriad of, of topics, one of which includes Deion Sanders. Um, he obviously had his Jackson State experience. Is this some of what he's going to have to learn and, and, and get better at as he spends more time as Colorado's head coach, head coach? Or is this purely the depth issue slash these players just have to be better? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that they should have, you know, when they came out at halftime, you know, there was a great opportunity there for them to really kind of strangle this game and put it out of reach. I just don't think they have the players where they can work on those types of things right now. You know, ideally the situation would have been you come out, establish the run a little bit, still go at your pace, but slow it down just a little bit, eat more of the clock, or Stanford into obvious, you know, passing situations. 
And I, I just don't think they have the skill uh, at those positions, especially on the offensive and defensive line, to get that done. Um, I, they wait. You know, I, they have a really good uh, quarterback in Sanders, some good wide receivers. But the more I watch Colorado, the more I look and see that they aren't at times comfortable with what's in front of them. They want the big play. They want the chunk play. They want the highlight play. Um, you know, there there a lot of. You know, passes where standards is just like scrambling around trying to make something happen when maybe in reality, you know, just take your check and, and move on, right? Uh, but I think they'll get better, um, and, you know, as they develop their talent and they get better, ta- better talented players in there. But for right now, their margin for error, like I said, was slim. Their offensive line just could not hold up on certain plays. Their defensive line could not get the pressure that they needed to force the QB into some bad plays. And their back-end secondary, other than Hunter, is just not very good. So, um, you know, this is what they were playing with. This is what I think he knew. Unfortunately, you know, this was the game that he had to have. I look at their schedule. I don't see two more wins on it, unfortunately, unless they pull off an upset. And that is where we will leave Colorado for now. And who knows where we will pick them up. Next, the big game today is Washington and Oregon. These two teams do not like each other. This is a uh, full-time, first time in this rivalry that they are um, both in the, in the top 10. Uh, as you look at this game, is there anything that makes you believe that A, either of these will be uh, playoff contenders towards the end, and B, what are you looking for in this game, if that, may, if, if, if that sentence made sense? Yeah, I don't know if they're title contenders, but they're definitely playoff contenders. And, you know, on a neutral field, I would take either of these teams over USC, um, as it stands right now. I'm not a big fan of what USC has been putting out there. I think uh, Oregon and Washington, if they were to play USC, would give them a lot of trouble. In this game specifically, you know, you look at a team like Washington and just has an absolute awesome offense going up against an Oregon team that I think is just more well-rounded. I think that Oregon can definitely look at areas where they can take advantage of the, of the game, uh, especially up front on their offensive line. They'll be able to run the ball, I think. They'll be able to control the clock. Uh, I think that they can hit explosives as well. And on the defensive side, I think Oregon's defense is just a little bit better uh, than what Washington is playing out there. So I do think that Washington might get Excuse me. A little frustrated on offense what Oregon is doing defensively. And I think that at the end of the day, this game really comes down to what team can get a couple of stops when it matters. Um, and I think that's Oregon. Um, you know, I like Oregon in this game. I think it's going to be very, very close, um, very tight. Last year, Oregon had them, and Bo Nix got hurt, and that game kind of shifted a little bit in the fourth quarter. But I just think Oregon has a more well-rounded team in this one to upset Washington on the road. And I do think Oregon might be the best team in the Pac-12 this year, uh, minus Washington. I think Washington is right there with them. They just unfortunately have to play each other, and, and will knock, one of them will get knocked out, most likely, of the title contention. But I do think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, this is a uh, 3.30 kick on ABC. As we look big picture at the top four right now, which this week is Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Been a long time since since we've said Florida State. Do you think this is a short stay for Florida State? Obviously, maybe you know against Syracuse today that that should be a uh, more easy uh, game for them to handle. 
But is this a situation in your mind where this is process of elimination is going to eventually, you know, eliminate some people or can a team like Florida State hang around towards the end? I think Florida State's going to hang around because they have that those two big wins against Clemson and LSU uh, on their docket right now. Um, I think that that obviously helps them out tremendously. I think in the Big Ten and Pac-12, you're going to see just a process of elimination. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State are going to play their little round-robin tournament. And in the Pac-12, you're going to have Oregon, Washington uh, play each other. That might eliminate one of them. Um, you know, I don't think either of them have USC on the schedule, so... You know, that might prevent uh, you know, USC from being a completely eliminated from the conversation unless they have some other tri- type of trip-ups. But I don't see Oregon and Washington making it through. But I'm looking at Oregon's schedule here, and they do play USC uh, and Utah and Washington State. So I, I think it's, it's going to be tough in general, I think, for all these teams that we are seeing in the top ten right now to make it unscathed through through their their conference schedule. Obviously, if, you know, Oregon gets a, a leg up here, they might have one of those opportunities to be a one-off team that potentially gets in. But, uh, you know, I think Georgia's firmly in a good spot right now. I think Michigan is, is in a really good spot right now. I think it's everybody else vying for those two spots, and it's going to be all about how the schedule unfolds the next couple of weeks. How often have we said Michigan firmly in a spot and then they just can't produce in, in, in the actual playoff? It's just, it's a recurring story. And I'm, I'm laughing not, not, not because I'm anti-Michigan, but just because we've seen this tale play out year after year. And uh, Washington also plays Utah, by the way. Uh, they play Washington, Utah back-to-back, sorry, Washington, Oregon, uh, USC does back-to-back weeks. So... Uh, that that will play that part out. But this Michigan tale is like, all right, get us to January, and now let's see what happens. Yeah, I think this Michigan team is, is good. I think last year was definitely one of those situations where they had that game, I think, in their grasp. Just a couple of plays really turned it. Specifically, you know, two pick sixes. You know, that is not something that's really involved in game scripting out an uh, actual contest. But... I do think Michigan, you know, Ohio State to me is weaker this year. Penn State, I think, is going to be their biggest challenge um, this year because I do think, you know, Ohio State is just not built to go into the big house in November to beat them. Um, the Big Ten West is an absolute joke. Uh, you know, they're lucky if they have teams that score over 20 points in a game. I just think Michigan's in the spot right now where they're the rest, I think college football this year is a lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams, but the good teams are tiered. Um, and I think Michigan is in that upper tier. I, I can see that. I can definitely see that. And uh, I, I think with those tiers, you, you, you are starting to see the separation. That separation, as uh, Danny Flecker joins us here on Team Up could be further defined tonight as USC plays Notre Dame. Notre Dame's been in almost every single one of these games after the, sorry, they, they, they won both the Ohio State, sorry, both the post-Ohio State games then get tripped up last week in what has just been a really tough run for them. And if you're losing that close game at home, now they play the USC. USC's trying to, to 
basically just keep themselves on the field and just keep winning game after game after game, as we just described. How do you see this one playing out in South Bend? Yeah, I worry that this game for, for Notre Dame is just at the end of an absolute gauntlet of a schedule they've played, mm-hmm. um, and they could just be in a situation where they are just exhausted. I think we saw that a lot last week uh, in that Louisville game. You know, Louisville took it to them. Notre Dame tried to play their game, which is, you know, being physical and running the ball. Just could not get anything going. Their past game was letting them down. Louisville just found a lot. And you know what? Looking back at that, I know it's hindsight, but I'm not surprised. Jeff Brom is a great coach. He does this all the time. <laughs> you know, when when he has a night game or, you know, a, a top 10 opponent coming to his, his stadium, he pulls off these types of upsets. Um, and he's a, just a really, really good coach. I do think that there are some things in Notre Dame's uh, favor this week. You know, I think that they are way more physical than USC is. They can definitely, I think, contain Caleb Williams to a degree. Um, I think the one thing with USC is that they just have so much speed on offense that they, they can kind of lull you into this this situation where you, you stop them, you stop them, you stop them, and then, boom, broken play. 90-yard touchdown, 50-yard touchdown, whatever it is. Big scramble by Caleb Williams. And Notre Dame offensively needs to be aggressive, which I don't think is in their nature right now. But I do think that they can control the clock a little bit. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't see um, USC running away with this. I think I'm giving the edge to Notre Dame, you know, really just kind of like circling the wagons one last time here. I mean, like, you know, our season's on the line. You know, we did lose two games. We're out of the playoff most likely. But, like, let's at least get one of these wins and and move forward, right? I, I think they can still make a good season out of what they have. College football is, is very unpredictable. They could still end up in a New Year's Six Bowl. And, again, I think they have enough on the defensive side to, to maybe frustrate USC a little bit. It would, could be a very – unique atmosphere, I think, for USC, where it's going to be kind of cold, rainy, windy. Uh, you know, I don't think that those California boys like playing in that type of uh, weather. No, no. Um, and it's at night in prime time, so it could be cold on top of windy and rainy, which is also not why you go to USC. So um, I can see that playing out that way as well. Is there any other college game that sparks your interest before we flip to the NFL? Um, I think US, UCLA, Oregon State, another interesting one. Again, that Pac-12 is going to continue to churn out these types of games, I think, you know, where we're going to see some good matchups, uh, not necessarily you know, affecting the playoff or, or anything like that, but really, I think, determining the potential contenders in the playoff. Again, USC, Oregon, Washington are the top tier there, but UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, they're all really pretty good, um, and they can definitely spoil a season here. So I think that that's one of you know another really interesting game to, to keep an eye out for today. Isn't it interesting? The last year of them existing, um, the Pac-12 has been where everything is for 2023 in this season. They've been the they've been the are they the best conference in football in terms of depth this year? I, th- I think their top is probably the best, especially with the SEC being down this year. Yeah. Big 12 not that great. You know, you have two good teams in, in the Big 12. The Big 10, you have some heavy hitters, but I think the, the 
the middle and bottom of the Big Ten is just absolutely horrendous uh, after you get past Penn State. Who's really that good? I mean, Wisconsin maybe. Iowa definitely not. Uh, Minnesota is having a down year. Purdue is not that great. Illinois is not that great this year. I think from top top to, to bottom, I think the Pac-12 has probably the best teams. Uh, it's just unfortunate the way that, that conference is structured is that they're all just going to you know play each other and beat each other up, and, and they're going to be probably left out of the dance at some point, depending on how that goes. But I think they probably have the, the top to bottom best uh, teams in the country right now. Flipping to the NFL, you're a giant to that, Daniel Jones. You said to me last night pretty firmly that you don't think they're going very far in the big dance uh, themselves. Yeah, I, I think that this Daniel Jones injury is a little bit worse than we, we all are being told. Um, you know, he ran into a similar issue a couple of years ago, and, and they shut him down. I wonder where the motivation might be to bring him back. If he's not 100% healthy, they do have a lot of money invested in him. Say what you will on that, right? Positive, negative, whatever, it's done. They go back, contract, the ink is dry on that. Um, so I think, I, I look at this team, I don't think Barkley's playing tomorrow. We know Thomas is out. You know, when are they going to have their full team? Again, I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year. And this might be the, the end of the line with Barkley on that team, too. I just don't see where they are going to be able to field a competitive team with their best players all on the field again. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe this is one of those games where it's, you look at Daniel Jones and you look and you're the Giants. You're like, listen, we we are not where we need to be right now, but we hope to be there next week or the following week. And you know, let's let's get you 100 percent healthy and see what we can make of this season once you're able to get back. But I just I'm not getting the right vibes from the way they've managed their injuries at all this year. And you were talking about earlier in the day with me yesterday that injury, uh, sorry, the um, uh, that injury reserve management especially has been something you've been not happy with with with, with this administration. Yeah, I mean, I I think when I look at what they had happened to them, you know, Barkley is going to be missing his fourth game this week. Thomas is going to be missing his fourth game this week. Just put them on injury on IR and, and bring them back. Again, I, I don't know like, the logistics or like, who they've designated to come back, how many people they could come back. You know, I, I'm not going to get into that because I, just, I, I think it's an antiquated rule and I think it's stupid if you go on IR and you're able to come back, you should be able to come back. I just don't know what they've been doing or how they were holding out hope. You know, Barkley's injury was misreported from the beginning. Thomas's injury was misreported from the beginning. Whether it's them playing coy or, or step backs, whatever happened, it just has not looked good. And, you know, it might have behooved them just to keep them on the IR and let them get 100% healthy and miss four to five weeks and use that roster spot for somebody that had, like, a, you know, a pulse uh, to try to come in there. But for right now, I think what we're looking at is Barkley out this week, Jones out this week. Maybe both of them are back for um, Washington. I think that they'll get, you know, Justin Pugh uh, involved next week as well. I, I think the team that we're going to see in Buffalo on Sunday come the following week is going to be completely different with if things go their way. But I just don't have that feeling right now with them. The Jets won't have special teamer Justin Hardy for four weeks. He's going on, on, on IR with a hamstring injury. He had to have hamstring surgery. That's never a good sign. 
Um, and, and the Jets team has injuries in the secondary. They've got injuries up front, and they're facing the Eagles. Um, is this as much as, 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 as many strides as the Jets have made? Is this basically just Philly going to be willing their way and just beating them? I mean, at the end of the day, Philadelphia is a better team. Um, that's, you know, no debate there. But, you know, they are also coming in with some injuries on their end, too, that I think could play advantage to the Jets. Uh, no Jalen Carter, no Darius Slay. Um, that secondary for the Eagles hasn't been that great this year. You know, whether the Jets can take advantage of that, we shall see. I did see that Sauce Gardner was on the injury report with an illness. And it's questionable. My guess is that he is going to be playing. Um, so I think the Jets overall have some things here that could play to their advantage. It's you know it comes down to it every week. We're going to say this is is Zach Wilson up for the task? Now last week wasn't a great game for him. Um, you know especially at the end of the first half. You know there was a lot of mismanagement there. But I, I think I told you last week, and I told you when we were watching, when I was watching the game, like just give the ball to Brees Hall. Right? Yeah. He's, I think, the the factor in this game in general for the Jets moving forward. He can get those eighteen to twenty touches and give you a hundred plus yards in total, in total yards from scrimmage. He kind of changes the complexion of how the defense is playing. It's going to open up some more of those passes in the intermediate spaces. It's going to give Zach more time in the backfield because they're going to be able to use play action. I think he is the guy. He is the guy that's going to be able to, I think, affect the way teams attack the Jets. And I think now it is still a pretty small sample size. When Brees Hall is up and running and Zach Wilson has been the quarterback, the results have been pretty good. Um, I think that's the recipe, right? Brees Hall, 18 to 20 touches, open up the space in the middle of the field for your Garrett Wilsons and your Alan Lazards, you know, to take advantage of what's going to be there and just simplify the game for, for Wilson a little, uh, Zach Wilson a little bit. I, I think that's the recipe. Granted, this week's a tough opponent, but I do think that the Jets defensively can withstand what Philadelphia is going to be throwing at them. They have a good defensive line, good, good coverage in the secondary. Just got to be able to get off the field, you know, on third and long situations. I think that's where the game will flip. But I do think they're going to be competitive in this game because I think that defense is uh, starting to hit its stride a little bit. They're getting more confident uh, with the performances that the offense is giving them. So I do think the Jets right now are in a position where they can, you know, take advantage of their players getting a little bit healthier. I know that they're banged up. You know, everybody's banged up now. But I do think that they have some some pieces that can help uh, help them the rest of the season. Give it to Brees Hall. It solves a lot of problems. <laughs> it just solves a lot of problems. Let him go wild and the rest is history. Um, so, with all that being said, uh, what else in the NFL strikes your fancy uh, 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 tomorrow? I mean, it's a weak slate this week. Um, you know, buys are starting to kick in. Um, I think the games that are interesting this week are, um, you know, Chicago, Minnesota, just from the standpoint of, you know, do we see a flip in Chicago if they win this game? You know, three and four, three and four or three, three and three, whatever their record will be. Um, and then Minnesota, if you lose this game, you're one and five. Do you think about trading Kirk Cousins after this with Jefferson on the shelf? 
you know, I think that's going to be intriguing. Uh, you know, trade deadline's coming up. I believe it's Halloween. Um, so we'll see there. I think that's going to be a storyline that people will be following. I think Cincinnati-Seattle is a really interesting game. Saw Joe Burrow play a lot better last week. It, it, was that a, an opponent situation, or is he actually getting better, right? I think he's getting better. I, I really like Cincinnati in this game. I think Seattle's a bit of a fraud. Uh, came, I'm not convinced Geno's 100% healthy after that Monday night game. Um, and I think Cincinnati's going to be very hungry to go into the bye for them at 3-3 three and three and just kind of reset and know that their second half of the season here needs to be, you know, very much flawless. Uh, and then uh, Sunday, uh, the Monday night game is interesting. Chargers and Dallas. You know, does Dallas get back up from what they, they took last week? I think I told you last week I didn't like Dallas at all in that game. I thought that they were going to get run over. They did. Um, but now you're playing a team that's a little more finesse. Maybe matches your style a little bit better. Is it a game that they bounce back? I, I think defensively Dallas still isn't as good as people think that they are. But overall, you know, it's the Chargers. They make stupid plays. They make stupid decisions. I think at the end of the day, this game is like which coach is not which coach is not as dumb, and I can't tell you which one that is. So um, I think that's just going to be a really interesting game to see you know what comes out of that one. The thing about Dallas that I find so interesting is they're either hot or cold. They're either the most dominant team on, on the field or they're just being won over. There's no, there is no in between. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it had to do with their opponents early in the season. Uh, Giants, they, they smacked in the mouth very early and they were never able to come back from that. Also, I think the weather in that game was just you know absolutely atrocious and the Giants just could not recover. The Jets, they got... I think if they play the Jets today, they wouldn't have won. They won't win by the margin of victory that they won against them at that point in time. I think it was just a very difficult circumstance coming off that huge Monday night win, the emotion of that game, the the realization you're not going to have Aaron Rodgers. I think that was a tough situation and and spot for the Jets. And they beat the crap out of New England, which I think we're seeing right now just isn't very good. So. Um, I, I think I mentioned last week it's about turnovers for Dallas. They weren't get, they didn't get them against the Cardinals. They didn't get them against San Francisco, and they were unable to get anything going there. So I think that's the name of the game for them. But I think you know Justin Herbert's a really good quarterback, and, and they have some good weapons. Eckler will be back. I think it's you know LA is going to present some issues for them. But we'll see. Again, I think it's a, this is a coaching game. Well, you know which coach is is a better coach, and I I can't tell you with. Any conviction that one of them is better than the other. Um, final thing: Are you as upset with uh, Ohio State fans that their games on on a streaming service today, Peacock? I mean, who are they playing? Purdue. Um, yeah, I mean that's just the nature of the beast. You know, we blame blame your conferences, blame your TV executives. Like this is what they want to do, and this is what they're going to do. So just get used to it. That's that's all I have. There's a, there's a member of, I believe it's the Ohio State Senate that wants to draft a bill um, to try to el- eliminate this. Um, yeah, maybe they should worry about some other things that are going on. <laughs> I just, I had the same reaction. Like, isn't there other things other than the, the platform that your game is being shown on to worry about? Um, anyway, Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up. We greatly appreciate it. 
No problem, man. Have a good one. You got it, and enjoy your football weekend, everybody.